Sippers, welcome to this Friday episode of the Tea With Me podcast with me, your big mate Shane Todd. It's Friday, the weekend started, my webcam breaks during this interview. Why, by the way, I've already done the interview, I'm not predicting that that will happen because I'll be spooky and weird like David Blaine, but my webcam breaks during this. I don't know why, but at the minute it looks like I'm recording this in the Middle East. It looks like I'm doing this in a, a bazaar from Marrakesh, and I don't even know what a bazaar is, but that would be bizarre. Anyway, Sippers, this episode is one that I just recorded with Christina Bennington. Christina is an actress originally from Belfast, but has been performing and touring all over the world um, with productions like Bad Out of Hell, the Meatloaf musical um, that she played uh, for over two years in Broadway. And I don't mean Broadway just off the West Lincoln Belfast, even though that would be great. That would still be a great achievement to do that for two years. But no, I'm talking about Broadway in New York, baby. I'm talking about the West End. I have plenty of questions for a stage actress who's who's performed in big productions like that. And also, we just kind of chatted a bit about Belfast as well. She's never really spent much time in Belfast since she moved away. So I'm asking Christina how Belfast has changed. We talk about Belfast superheroes, loads more things. This was a real fun interview to do. I think you'll enjoy it. Sippers, enjoy this episode. Before we kick off, let me plug the Patreon. Thought someone's going to park my car parking space outside, and I did not like it. Patreon.com slash Tea With Me Podcast. You get the bonus episode on a Monday. You get my stand up special from last year, and we do the live podcast on there as well every month or so. Sippers, let's get on with the episode. This is the Tea With Me episode with my friend Christina Bennington. Christina, my first question with all guests is, do you drink tea? What is the what is the kind of level of your tea drinking if you do? And if, if you don't drink tea, why not? Well, I actually don't drink tea. Um, I'm currently right now on tea with me. got a black coffee. Um, Disrespectful. <laughs> I know, a black coffee with you. I actually think tea tastes like dirty dishwater. I'm sorry. I just I think it's disgusting. <laughs> Well, I mean, what a way to kick off the podcast. I mean, if you had said Earl Grey, like that is an accurate description of Earl Grey, which is, <laughs> is, is, is the devil's work, but, but regular tea. So you just, I mean. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's like the worst drink. And it's obviously the worst? a Northern Irish thing, but like, it's just an everywhere thing, apparently that like in my house, you know, you finish a tea and everyone just makes another tea straight away. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very left out. Um, was this based on like a childhood tea experience uh, and you just like ruled tea out or have you given it a chance in recent I assume so I seem to I am um, I never really liked milk either or tea I'm like conveniently vegan now so don't have to yeah. have milk but um, never liked it I think because my mum was so obsessed with tea I think I tried to like it but I nope I'm, I'm, I'm the same with cliff richard like my mom absolutely obsessed and that just put me off cliff for life even though cliff seems like he would be a great guy and cliff would definitely drink a lot of tea um you, on the ve- on the vegan thing not related to anything i i kind of like i'm not i'm not vegan right but because me glaringly because i meat, but i do like i don't i don't really eat dairy or drink dairy yeah so I kind of do call myself vegan. Like if we're in a restaurant, I'd be like, oh, can I see the vegan menu? And then I order, yeah. I order off that and say, here, can you fire chicken breast on that? So does that, does that annoy? Are you like, I don't mean like well into being vegan, but you know what I mean? Are you like, like really vegan to the I'm point? 
really vegan myself, but I there's nothing worse, I think, than like a preachy vegan. I think there's genuinely nothing worse than someone who judges what someone else eats. Like, in fact, my boyfriend does the exact same thing because he is dairy intolerant, so he'll always be like, Can I have the vegan pizza with yeah. Yeah. I'm like, sure. I'm not yeah. Can I get a vegan pizza? And can we make that a meat face, please? Uh, just no cheese. Yeah, and the, and the same. I mean, it's not a club anyone wants to be in, but him and I are, are in that club of lactose intolerance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean about... I mean, a preachy version of anything isn't good if you're preachy about anything. I mean, to be fair, when you said the tea was dishwasher water, I kind of judged you on that. So I, I'm I'm a hypocrite. But um, but look, we'll, 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 we'll move on. So you... Um, I will have done a lovely introduction before this, by the way, but you um, are an actress. <laughs> what is that? You just do what you say. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, you, you've you've acted on Broadway, you've acted in the West End, but um, I want to talk about that because I love the idea. I always say to my friend Aaron that I think I would make a really great Frankie Valley in Frank in um, Jersey Boys. Yes. But then he doesn't think, Maybe I'll maybe I'll give you like a little rendition of. I, so I just very specific part to decide you'd be good at. Like, are you a high? Have you got a super high voice or something? Yeah, and I, no, it's do you know what it is? I just I like Frankie Valley as a guy, and I don't think I would accept any other role. Sure. You know, I know it's a big it, that is a big production, but I just think for me, it's. I mean that that is kind of me with life in a way. It's Frankie Valley or nothing. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to play one of his mates. I don't even know what those guys are called. I just want to play, I just want to play Frankie Valley. But take me back to, um, you grew up, you grew up in Belfast. So what? See, see acting, right? I, I always want, I always liked acting. I always liked the idea of it. And now it's something I, I enjoy. I don't do it that often, but it's something I really enjoy doing. And I'm so annoyed at myself that whenever I was school age and and slightly older. I, I, I never would have put myself forward to do any kind of no school plays. I mean, I was in the choir. I was kind of killing it low key in the back of the choir uh, with, the, well, I mean, I was going falsetto because uh, I wanted to be Frankie Valley, but, but, but I, I, I always wanted to act. I think deep down, I always really wanted to act, but I was too nervous to do it or worried what people would say. So how, how did you get into acting in the first place? Uh, when I was a kid, I was in pantomimes. My family did pantomimes in Lambeg with the Lambeg players and like it was like my family my cousin's family um who by the way I just have to put out there my cousins and my siblings it was always the joke in our family that if I ever get asked to do your podcast I've made it so I've officially made it um well done I, congratulations thank you um I, we, did, we did like pantomimes when we were kids you know and obviously really super highbrow um my dad actually now writes them that they do in Lambeg and my family are still super involved. I did school plays, I went to Methody and did a lot of drama and like super choral, you know, life there. Like, like I, so my mom took me to a thing called speech play whenever I was about seven or eight. We were actually talking about this like two nights ago, um, which was, I don't know what, I, I don't think there was anything wrong. I, I think it was like for, it was like an acting thing and mm -hmm. it was in like a local church and they would do like improv and they would do all this kind of stuff. And everyone that did it was well into it. Like they loved it. And yeah, at seven or eight, but there was like... <laughs> like really serious about improv. I like, I still not great at improv. There was quite a few guys going in turtlenecks. Like it was being taken yeah, really seriously. But I stopped going because 
this is 100% true. There was a guy in the class who was, if I was like seven or eight, he's maybe nine or 10. He was obviously a veteran of the acting course. And they said the week before, they were like, we're going to pretend that the the carpet is the sea and there's sharks in it. And we're all going to stand on chairs and be stranded at sea. This guy, I think he was called Jonathan, in, the, in, in between the week before and the week of doing the sharks and stuff, he went home and made a paper mache steak, like as in an eating steak, and uh, and then just whipped it out of his pocket and was, like during the class and was like, "Here, this, we can we can keep the steak preoccupied with this and just tossed it to the floor." And I was like, "This is not for me, this place." Well, that's not really improv, is it? It's, it I mean, it's, it's a total opposite of improv. <laughs> yeah. When a guy, I mean, yeah, you don't improv paper mache. You make a, oh god, my camera's gone <laughs> off. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh no, I'm just going to disconnect this. Hang on. Christ. All right, that's us. Um, so you did acting in school, and then were you, were you like, were you taking the lead in school plays, or were you kind of just keeping it in the background, or were you? I was the worst. I took all leads, and you know, yeah. one of those people. Like I, I was so keen, and I like really wanted to like be a teacher as well, and I like for some reason they let me well I see in hindsight my teachers were super nice but I can see why they let me because they did have to do very little then um and I sort of like choreographed the school plays and sort of when so when you were in the when you were in the plays you were choreographing the plays I choreographed the senior school plays when I was in younger than everyone else it was a very strange setup don't really know why they let me do it but yeah no normal at the time and then so what was so you were acting in school and then did you know whenever you were doing that that that's what you wanted to do after school or was there something else you were you were wanting to do yeah I I really I just thought that seems fun I it's sort of annoying you want to be like oh no I just like fell into it or like oh I'm really good at this thing but I was like no 100% that's definitely what I want to do I want to be in the West End so I'm gonna do it I was the same with football in school. I would have taken it very seriously. And I was like, up until I, honestly, up until I was way too old for it to happen. Like whenever I was like 22, um, I was like, at some point I probably will play professional football, uh, but I'm not good at football. You obviously had a passion for acting and we're good at acting, but I mean, I was still kind of, I remember saying to my stepdad over at dinner, I was like, I think I will play Champions League football at some point. And he's like, you won't, you honestly won't. And that's the wake up call I needed. But to kind of go into to go into acting, what's what's that like in Northern Ireland in general? Like, is there a good like acting scene here? Like, whenever you do not just amateur dramatics, but like, were you involved in the lyric and things like that, or did you just sort of? I didn't do like the amdram stuff or anything. I did I did like family pantomime, but I didn't do really so much of like all the amdram societies. I think if you want to work now, like I'm actually I'm home at the moment because I'm filming. Um, so I'm doing a TV job, which happens to be in Belfast, which is so glorious. What is um, it? Can I ask what it is? Or you're not allowed to say. Uh, if I you're not allowed to say, just say. Also, just say, what it is. To say but it's give it's, us a clue. It's it it's like oh, I don't know. I I just I know that my director follows you on Instagram because <laughs> I okay. saw. Let so, me ask. Let me ask you this: <laughs> Is it something that's been on before, or is this the first time? It's been? It's new and it's cute. And I think I can say that it's children's TV. So it's really fun. It's like super fun and really great. And I mean, if your director falls on Instagram, definitely just, definitely just tell him I'll be in it, whatever it is. You know, if he, if he likes it, just say like, hey, the big man needs work. He needs to get out of the house. Right. It's, but it's like, there's so much being filmed now. I think there's like five or six 
It's like massive TV shows still being filmed during a pandemic in Belfast. That's like how big the industry is. But there's not so much theatre here and there definitely wasn't either of those things whenever I was leaving school. So I was like, I'm going to the big city, I'm going to London. So I went to, I auditioned for, remember Skins? Do you remember a TV show called Skins? I do, very well. I auditioned, I saw this thing online for, uh, this was the first time I was like, I'm going to act. It was an open audition for Skins in London. And me and my friend Gareth got the, got the bus from Belfast, which goes on the ferry, obviously, takes like 24 hours. We got to London, no sleep. We have to do an improvised scene, so more improv. I should have brought a paper mache But the scene was, so it was me and like these like, london actors like they were really taking it seriously and we were all like i don't know 17 18 maybe younger and the scene was one of the girls is addicted to heroin but but as like this is such a jump from there was no acting before this to all of a sudden <laughs> i say yeah no i misjudged it as comedy i was i read the room wrong and i was like why not make a joke out of this i could be a comedy character in this and i have never felt more ostracized like like it was like i knew from the first word out of my mouth i wasn't going to get the rolling skins and i'd spent 24 hours on a bus to london and i had to get a bus 24 hours back so that was that was a horrendous experience what was the first time was the first time you went over for an audition or were you going over like for a job i when I, weirdly i when i was like 12 or 13 i auditioned for a thing which was like the little prince it was a bbc kids opera and I got it. I auditioned here and then I had to do a recall audition in London. So I spent like a month in London as a 12, 13 year old. And it was amazing. I was like, this is what it's like to be a professional actor. They take you out to the cinema every night. And like, <laughs> you know, like, cause it's like kids and they had like plan all these fun activities. This is amazing. Plus. I want to do this forever. So I did that. But then I, yeah, I auditioned for drama school and then I eventually ended up in Guildford, which is in Surrey. And I trained there and then moved into London. What? What is the real? I mean, I think we all have a preconceived idea of what acting school would be and that kind of thing. And not that there is a negative thing towards it, but there there is kind of like you know people will say, uh, or you, you, say like people that go to Brit school, you know, and then get into uh, music and stuff like that. I think from talking to friends in the music industry about this once, they were like, "Oh, that person's been to Brit school," as if it's some sort of unfair advantage when. It's just like, I think if you play football, it's like going to a good training academy. Like you're, yeah. you're literally just learning the, the, the skills. So what was the reality versus kind of expectation of going to an acting school? It's just, you know what? It's just really hard. And it sort of doesn't prepare. Well, it does prepare you skills wise for the acting world. You're like, great. I know how to do this, this, and this. But like the atmosphere does not prepare you. It, like they tell you to do some really stupid stuff because a lot of, I mean, no offense to my drama school or any other, but a lot of the teachers have not acted in a very long time, obviously. So they're, you know, they're like, when you go to an audition, you should wear your little character shoes and wear a little dress and you go out into the world. And you're like, oh God, everyone's just like in jeans and being themselves. And I've got this weird presentational like character on, but it's, it's just really very long hours. It's, it's good and bad. It's like formative years, you know, everyone's like learning who they want to be in college. And when you combine that with like a course, which is like, you are all in direct competition with one another. Right, right. Would, so music- would musical numbers have kicked off at like a moment's notice, like in the lunch hall or anything like that? You know what? Yes, but I was never that person. 
Like I was. <laughs> I asked that as a joke. Is that true? So yes. So like, if everyone's rehearsing something, because you're you're in college from like eight a.m. to eight p.m. five or six days a week. Like it's the most contact hours of anything ever. Maybe it's not the same anymore. Maybe I'm just old, but um, like you know, it's a lot. So everyone's quite delirious anyway, and you know. You know, if you're practicing a big number, you'd sort of get on the lunch break. Someone, because it's so competitive, someone will be like, oh, and just like start singing. And then everyone starts like, or dancing. and I was really like, you used to really call that stagey behavior. And I was very not stagey and I hated it. And I was like, oh my God, like horrible. But yeah, 100% tap numbers, ballet. I mean, thank God that's where you went and did that. Like, if you at, at, at any Belfast school, if you tried to start a music number during lunch, you, you're going to get brutally attacked for that. Like that is, that's not going to work. To be honest, I'm like, mm, I, I went to Methody. I honestly, I think people would have been like all in for it. You there. think it, you think it might have floated? Yeah, which I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but no, yeah. I don't know either. The the first audition I ever I ever did, I was kind of like, wouldn't say like a child prodigy with acting, uh, but. Uh, my mom asked me if I wanted to do audition for a Harry Corey ad. Do you know Harry Corey? They do like curtains and... What uh, were you up for? <laughs> well, I was auditioning to play an employee. No, I wasn't. I was I was auditioning whenever I was about... Like curtains or I don't know. Yeah. No. I feel like they never have people in the adverts. They, they, they did back in the day because um, it was a very famous... Worldwide, I want to say. not Maybe not, but it was a series of ads where the catchphrase was we need help, we need Harry. You remember this? No. What age are you? 28. This was maybe even like a couple of years, maybe you missed out on these phenomenal ads, which, which was, we need help, we need Harry. So it would be a family sitting in, you know, uh, looking around a house that was pretty bare and they would say, we need help, we need Harry. And then they would get swagged out at Harry Corey. So I was about five, maybe, yeah, about five years old. And my mom said, do you want to do an acting audition? And I said, I was like, mama, I was like, let us go. Right. Cause I was, that was before I, I got nervous about acting or at that age, I was ready for it. And I went along to this open audition of other children and there was a director there and he's like, so if you want, no, there it wasn't a director. There was like somebody else going, can you just practice the line? We need help. We need Harry. And I, Sort of like a Marlon Brando in the Godfather uh, type perform, like that good of a performance. I was like, we need help. See, all the other kids basically were too quick. They're like, we need help. We need Harry. Yeah. I, I took a little gap in between. You know, yeah. I was like, we need help. And then I think I surveyed the, the, the room, which we weren't even in a room, but I was like, we need Harry. And, and it was, it brought other children to applause and, mm-hmm. It honestly got down to, I must have said the line like relatively well. It genuinely got down to me and this other kid. And then they said like, okay, it's yours. You've got it. And they sent, it must have been about 100 kids home throughout the day. It's 100% true. Then they said, you've got the role and it was going to be 250 quid, which in 1992 or whatever it was, yeah, was thousands. My mom had to bring me into the director who was like, Shane, we're really happy you're going to do this. You're doing really well. So we just need to make sure before we like book you to do this, I need to ask you because it would be irresponsible if it didn't. Do you definitely want to do this? Do you definitely want to be in this TV ad? And I didn't even really know what I was there for. So I was just like, 
come on, no, I don't. I don't, I don't want to do it. I, I changed my mind. I was like, I don't fancy it. And uh, my mom's like, I did just drive you home. And it was the biggest waste of a day of, of all time. And I think after that, that's when I turned my back on acting until about three or four years ago. But yeah, that, that and the Skins audition were my first forays into, into acting. So when, when you're at acting school, are you auditioning for things at the same time? Are you allowed to do that? Or are you just not till you get into third year. When you do your showcase and you get in third year, you start auditioning for stuff in the real world. What was the worst thing? Like, are you allowed to watch other people's showcases? Uh, we we all do it as one. Yeah, you do like a big show and agents come and they all just like pick you. Have from. you seen anything? Like, have you seen anything that went horrendously badly? Like, obviously doing stand-up, I do bad sets from time to time for sure. And I've seen so many. But like, have you ever seen anything go, even if it's happened to you, like has anything gone really wrong? When, you, when you're you're doing some sort of stage performance? I've had quite a few, like, bad physical mas- mishaps, like accidents and stuff. Uh, I remember my first ever job, this is actually, like, kind of horrible, but my first ever job, I was at Birmingham Rep doing Christmas Carol, which was apparently a cursed production. And because they'd done it three or four years, the same version before, and someone had broken their arm in, like, the final tech rehearsal. And it was our final tech rehearsal. And the guy playing Scrooge was stood on some this other guy's shoulders who was wearing a dress, vital plot point. Um, sure. his, like, big shoulders. Um, he was standing on his shoulders, holding hands with p- two people either side. I, this is great visual description for a podcast, sorry. No, it's and, fine. Um, he, jumps, he jumped off the guy's shoulders and like slammed on on the stage because he tripped over his shoulder pad. And his neck landed one way and his body landed the other way. He's fine. I can say he's fine. Oh, I thought he died. I'm at the time. We all thought he died, and there was I was on stage holding hands with like these four children that I was meant to be looking after, who were right next to him, and the <laughs> other team of kids in the show were in the second row, and literally they just slammed right in front. It was like literally like a TV show. All these little kids just went. Yay! Oh shit! He he'd broken his jaw, but not his back. Great. I mean, I at the same time, I think any kid who screamed like that should have been sacked from the production because when you're acting, you're acting and you don't break character, even if even if a man severely breaks his neck in front of you, you just you got to keep that character. So yeah, they all hopefully they were all sacked. They were all very cute, like really brummy kids. They they were like they weren't if they weren't going to be sacked for the fact that they only could do a brummy accent, they were going to be sacked for nothing. Well. So. You know, uh, how, I don't know how long ago that was, but now they're probably, they've probably got rolls from Piggy Blinders, so it's probably worked out. <laughs> I, remember, uh, I remember a friend of mine auditioned for Piggy Blinders, who's an actor, and this was like a week before he was going to go, and he's like, I think I've got the accent. I went, let's hear it. <laughs> and I didn't know how to say, I didn't know how to keep a straight face, and I definitely didn't know how to not say, that is not, that's not, not from Birmingham, that's not from the planet, that accent. Like, that's not a thing. Uh, yeah, I mean... With stand-up, I've never seen it. My, my friend Aaron fell off stage pretty bad. It's one of those ones where, like, I think if it happens at the end of a production, it's fine. But if yeah. it happens at the start, you never get them back, especially with stand-up. Like, sure. my friend Aaron fell off midway through the show, and then that's all people are going to think about for the rest of for the rest of the show. What was the point where you started doing like West End productions, or what was your first what was your first kind of big role where you were like, hang on a second, this is pretty great. Not that the Lambeg players wasn't. I know that was really the peak of my career, but um, I think I did like a couple of random shows and then I worked my way up very classic sort of, and then I covered a lead role in the West End 
And I so I was always it was in I was in Showboat and I covered the lead and she was sort of an idol of mine. She's like 10 years older. And I was always, you know, that classic thing of like the understudies, like always ready to go on. I was like, I'm so ready, I'm so ready. Right. I never went on for like four months, I think, of doing the show. And I was like, oh, nightmare, I'm never gonna get on. And I remember I did a workshop. So I was off, like I was doing another job and I had a week off the show. And I was like, oh, I'm never gonna get on. And I'd been ready for four months or five months or something. And I remember going out to celebrate this workshop and just being like, I'm just gonna let my hair down for once because I'm never gonna go on and getting a call, walking to the theater the next day, like you're leading a West End show for the first time ever. And it was like the worst thing ever. I was like, this is horrible. I've been ready for so long and it's today. It was fine in the end, but it was like a really big singing role. And she was off for two weeks in the end. So I played it for two weeks. And that was kind of the time where I was like, ooh, I think I could actually play leads. Do you, when you're an understudy, especially if you've been waiting for four months, like, you know, full disclosure, like, do you ever kind of hope, like, you know, when you say break a leg to someone, like, were there nights where you meant it? Um, no, not really, because, well, that part was different. After that, I'd never understudied again, because I started getting parts, which was great. Right. But she actually, it was, she was off for a really nice reason. It turned out she was pregnant. She had morning sickness. So ah, okay. then I could feel totally like great about celebrating the fact that she was off. Cause I was like, I'm so happy for you and me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put me me, but yeah, <laughs> but good luck. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess there's people who like, does anyone understudy for longer than four months? Like do you, are there people that just never get to, that must be so difficult because you, you probably have to every night get yourself in the frame of mind that, okay, I, I, I could be ready to do this. I I'm, you know, working on my lines and delivery and all that. And four months must be a, like, I can't, I, sometimes I can't go to a comedy club where I'm not performing because that feeling of like, Oh, I really want to get up there. Especially if you see people, I was going to say, especially if you see people doing well, but when you see them doing badly too, you're like, oh, I really just, I could do a job up there. Like, so that must be difficult. And, and then when you become, when you go from the understudy to, to playing the lead or, or playing the role that you were, you were understudying for, are you, so I don't really know. I, I've been to see one thing. I went to see Wicked on the West End, um, mm. which, which was really good. I, I, I did the classic thing of like, I was like, no, West End wouldn't be for me. I was like, no, I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't really be my scene. And then I went to see one thing and I was like, I'm just a theater guy now. I just go to the theater. I got myself little gold binoculars on a, on a, on a thing. And uh, I was like, this is, this is what I do. But um, are you like the thing I never really could get my head around is that people are attached to productions for so long. I mean, doing a stand-up show, I only maybe do the same show for our long show for maybe three, four months on a tour. So do you whenever you perform the same show maybe sometimes twice a day do you ever how, how do you not my question as a performer is how do you not kind of not get bored of it but how do you keep it interesting for yourself yeah i did a rock musical the meatloaf musical battle of hell for near like about two and a half years i did it sort of all over the world and the only reason that didn't get boring is because it kept changing it all the time. They'd be like, surprise, we're cutting a song. Like, oh, okay. Oh, so I never knew that. I never knew that was a thing. It's not really. That was just a right. really weird show. Um, and it, I mean, it, that was kind of fun because they let me do what I wanted to an extent because it's a rock musical. But if you're in something like Wicked, you have to do the exact same thing every night. So, I mean, I wouldn't do it again in a rush. 
do a show for a year or more. That's why I'm doing more screen stuff at the moment because it's more fun. You say all the lines maybe like 20 times in a row when you do takes, obviously, and then you never say them again. Great. I, I still I still find that, diff- like performing-wise, I find that difficult to, obviously with stand-up, you say it once and then even if you deliver it wrong, you move on to the next thing. So to keep going and give it the same energy is definitely something I'm still like really learning and, and really new to. When you're in that kind of like West End scene and you're, you're living in London and mixing with a lot of other actors, is, is there many people from home over there? Is there like a, like, do, yeah. you, do you hear another accent? We all know each other. And I, yeah, there's quite a few people that I did shows with as a teenager who live in London now there's quite a lot of us um and yeah so we we do sort of all it's that thing where you know when you meet someone and they go you're from Belfast you must know sometimes you go don't be so stupid and then you always know them and you're like but yeah I do yeah 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 that's the thing people are like I'm not gonna understand oh no I I, that's a close friend of mine (laughs) it's one degree of separation it really is um and living in London and then tell me how because yeah the the Battle of Hell musical um I I saw Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons on Broadway earlier in the year. I like seeing something on Broadway is something I've wanted to do for years now. Like just to just to say I've, I've been there and, and see what it's like. And I love Jersey Boys, so that's why I went to see that. But how did you how did you land that role? Was it a touring thing or was it just just uh just Broadway? Yeah, I did it here first. I did it in Manchester, London, then we went to Toronto and then we came back to the West End at the Dominion and then when they were bringing it to Broadway, they just brought me and another girl from here, from, well, from London, and from the original cast to join an American cast. The big question is, did, did Meet himself ever go to see the play? Yeah, um, I've met him quite a lot of times, actually. I did a lot of press with him, and then he came to see the show twice, once in New York and once in London, and he likes to, I nearly kicked him in the head. It was so awful. Just out of anger, or...? <laughs> yeah, I was just livid. This is dealing with the spotlight. No, I we finished the show and my like final thing in the bars was always like I did a big high kick and thought it was really cool. And I did this kick and he had come on to surprise us at the end and not told anyone. Oh. Literally walked past <laughs> my I so nearly kicked him in the head. Um I mean we knew he was in the audience. He had this idea that he was like, Don't tell them I'm in, no one will notice. Uh. There was a pre-show where we all sat on stage or like three or four of us at the beginning of the show in New York and the whole audience had stood up and were lining up around the auditorium to try and get a selfie with him. And he right, was like, right. tell them I'm in. And we were like, we're watching you give autographs, but okay. And and also he's meatloaf. So you're going to, you're going to be like that. Well, there's meatloaf. Yeah. Um, do you do the, so the meatloaf song that I love the most is Paradise by the Dashboard Light. It's a tune. That's a big tune. Was that in it? Yes, it was performed by my parents in the show. It was like this. Oh, I thought you were going to say like the Benningtons are back again doing doing the Lambeg players. I was like, that's well, great that you'd be like, hey, my mum and dad have shown up. <laughs> no, 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 no. My fake show parents. Yeah, it was like this scene where my character was turning 18 and it was her birthday party and it was like a throwback of sort of when she was essentially conceived. It was like right, a right. strange scene where they were at the dinner party and then he like, took the cloth off the table and then it was a car and then they like sang the whole song on the car and did did your um the dynamics of like stage performers did did your parents in that musical ever like ever treat you like they were your parents off stage yeah that's not usual but they did and still do like i still like grounded and i'm like mom (laughs) 
dad. <laughs> like, because it was so long, I think. It was just a really long time. I'd be um, tapping them for money for sure. I'd be like, hey, mom, dad, can I have 50 quid? You joke, but like they did give me presents as if I was a daughter in a, like, in a nice way. You know, if they were popping out to get a coffee, they'd always get me one too, whatever I'm in. What's 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 broadway i mean to spend so long in new york um i i i love new york i think it's it's one of my favorite cities um and it's such a like performer city as as well so how did, how did you find living over there that's mad it's really cool because in london no one really cares about the west end unless you love theater like yeah. no one who you are ever like i was on tube posters like all over the tube for a full year not one person who's not a theater person would have noticed right like like billboard size tube posters off my face no one would know and we were there for three months we did the show in new york and there was like you know billboards in times square and they would like play the trailer in times square and you get stopped like 10 times a day on the street class everyone cares about theater and everyone cares about live performance there whether or not you are a theater person it's like it's so mainstream which is really strange and nice and like whereabouts in new york did you live Basically in Times Square, like just off Times Square. Uh, I um, one night I was in Times Square, walking back to my hotel. My friend, my best friend Dave, had overlapped. He was on a family holiday. I was working in New York. We overlapped for one night. Went for a night out around all the Irish bars around Times Square because okay. yeah, every, every other bar is an Irish bar. And uh, and a guy we knew was working in a bar. And he just kept giving us like glasses of some, like not shots of sambuca, but glasses of sambuca. And I'm I'm not really a drinker, but I remember walking through Times Square at about half three in the morning, and it was just like it was middle of the day. All the lights, the same amount of people walking around, and there was football. This is too terrible. There's football freestylers trying to like you know earn some money, and I walked past and I was so drunk, and this is very out of character for me. But I was like, <laughs> mate, pass. And the guy's like, oh, buddy, just working here. And I was like, mate, if you want to see a trick, pass. <laughs> and I slipped over his football and then just walked on and the ball just careered, <laughs> careered down, uh, down Times Square. But um, yeah, I mean, is there, is there then a thing as well of, you know, there's so many people from Northern Ireland in London and, and as you say, like working in the West End. Is that the same on Broadway? Like, is there, any, is there anyone else from here over there? And do you guys meet up and talk about things from home like Tato and, you know, punishment beatings i don't know but but what is there a community there well weirdly i was there was it at the time no it was like after the ferryman had been on so i crossed oh, yeah. over with loads of friends who were in ferryman which was weird but otherwise not really i mean and then there was actually no a lie my other friend from home they were doing sing street so like it's quite fashionable obviously to be irish in america everyone's like oh my gosh i'm irish sort of yeah very loosely four yeah. percent you know yeah. you're like great so but not not the same as london i mean the fair like obviously anyone who's in the ferry but and anyone who's on the broadway in general is a phenomenal actor but i heard i've heard of so many people i know that have been in the ferryman that i was like do you just get to go and do it? Like, could I, can I put my name forward to go and do the ferryman? I mean, I'll, I'll play any role. I'll be an understudy. I don't mind what it is, but it seems like a lot of people are doing the ferryman. And when it comes back, I, I think I'm going to ask if I can play Frankie Valley in the ferryman. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I thought that and then I saw it and there were a lot of people in it. So I was like, okay, there's a lot of characters there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Broadway, Broadway, New York. I mean, 
Yeah, it just makes me think of like, I, I think I was supposed to be in New York like a couple of months ago, which was rescheduled again. And now I'm like, I don't know, this time next year, can I go over there to perform? I have no idea when all of that comes back. And Broadway's, is the West End the same, I guess, as Broadway at the minute? Is it just done? Yeah, some stuff's opening in November in the West End, which is, but like socially just, I don't know, it's so strange, isn't it? Like I, I actually felt mm. glad that I was not in a West End show when everything shut down. Because oh, if it yeah. happened this time last year when I was in New York, I, you know, it wouldn't have happened. Well, especially as well, if you're if you're in the middle of a really good run or you've put so much work in to prepare something and then it's like, this is going away for a year. Yeah, sir. that's clearly what's happened to you. So, oh, yeah, yeah, no touchy subject, but no, I got to do, <laughs> I got to do like 10, 12 shows in between the two lockdowns and they were obviously socially distanced. And I was fuming, I was back in London, I really wanted to go. It was really, it was, do you know what it was so fun about it? It was like, it was ran so well that nobody was, I don't think, uncomfortable or nobody was like worried about distance and that kind of thing. I think everybody was like, this is what it used to be like. Do you remember 13 weeks ago? Or like it wasn't that long ago, but everyone's like, oh, this is great. But uh, but yeah, I mean, music and theatre seems to be had so much worse than comedy because like comedy's just kind of a person talking. You know, you're kind of still able to do that. Still virtually, but I feel like, all the live stream stuff, it's hard with theatre because you're like, mm, literally the point of being there is to be there and for it to be live. Otherwise, I'll just watch a film. Yeah. What did you think of, uh, did you watch Hamilton? Or, uh, like, have you seen it on Disney Plus? I hadn't seen it in person and then I watched it on Disney Plus for the first time with my sister here because I, I spent the whole of lockdown in Belfast. It's the longest I've ever been in Belfast. Ah. I was 18, ever, four and a half months. I think I'd been maybe not even two weeks at a time before that. So right. actually, I had a great time. Like, I feel bad saying that. Everyone was like, oh, God, like, are you all right? Locked on. I was like, it's amazing. Do you so feel like you, you recon reconnected with the city a bit? I mean, it must have changed yeah. so much from... Okay, I, like, I, this is just, I just became a weird super fan of loads of, like, food and coffee places. Yeah. There's nothing else happening except for going to get takeaway stuff. So I sort of became like a weird regular at places like for takeaway. And what, what coffee shops are you, are you digging at the minute? Honestly, if they hear me say this, they'll be like, leave us alone. Guilt trip. I'm obsessed with guilt trip. And I tell them all the time, like to a weird, like how people would talk to me about theater. I talk to them about coffee when I go there and they're like, cool, thanks. I know the person that owns it. Well, pass on. I'll my... get you a donut, don't worry. <laughs> He's never given me one, but I'll get a can and pass on a donut. I mean, I honestly went there many, many times in lockdown, but I just, I had this amazing time with my sister. We watched Hamilton together. And I remember she made all this food for it. She's um starting a new, she's a baker and a chef and stuff. It's, oh, okay. it's a nightmare being at home. Um, <laughs> I'm literally eating, I've literally got a cake with me right now. Oh, excellent. What is it? Is this just like a vegan lemon and raspberry kind of cake? It's very oh. Does your sister does your sister like specialize in that, or she'll just do that for you? Because vegan cakes and non-vegan cakes, yeah. I so can't get, I cannot get baked goods anywhere, and all the ones you can get are the same thing. They're oh, just like, <laughs> look, I will get you a, a donut at at Guilt Trip that I will probably, I'll be like, listen, give Christine the donut, but then I'll probably I'll pay pay them for it. <laughs> And then they'll send that over. And then if your sister could exchange, give me like 12, 13 cakes. 
That would be a great deal. That seems totally reasonable. And it has to be gluten-free also, but don't worry about that. Um, gluten-free. Are you, actually, are you gluten-free as well? Gluten-free, dairy-free, which means I can eat Fun. lettuce and uh, gluten-free hobnobs, which are unreal. No, um, yeah, no, I'll sort you out. But uh, so she made all this food and, I was, and we were like, oh, we're going to eat like delicious baked goods. So I was like taste testing the worst job in the world. Um, and we're like, we're going to do it with more Hamilton. I could not eat because I honestly was sobbing so much. I like I, I mean I'm a fairly emotional person, but just seeing people react to live theater at a time, oh yeah, distant, yeah, hearing everyone like scream. Like, honestly, about two minutes in, I started crying and I couldn't stop sobbing the whole time. And I was like, I didn't even realize I was this affected by theater stopping because I think I was really like, I was switched off from it because I was like auditioning for TV stuff and I was like, that's still happening, great, don't have to worry about theater, I'm not involved in it. And I just find it so hard to deal with. I was yeah, yeah. just it's amazing anyway but just crying at people being talented not even at it being sad yeah I can to- I can totally understand that I watched some stand up at the start of this that was in America they'd started to do like garden gigs and parking lot shows and uh, listen to me parking lot I'm in car park guys <laughs> come on uh, but I was watching that being like oh god do you remember the if 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 I ha- if I could play Frankie Valley no, my number one dream role my yeah. number two dream role is the king in Hamilton. Yeah, it's I great. Could, I think I could do a job in that role. I sing that song to my son three times a day, and he has not got any complaints, even though he cannot talk because he is 13 weeks old or something like that. Cute. That was a guess, but that actually is how old he is. I'm very impressed with myself there. <laughs> 13 and half weeks, but he likes it. But I really... I really get into the role. Like I do the face. Well, like very little stage time, lots of payoff. Like- exactly. That's that's the best thing. That's stand up. Sometimes if you know you're just trying and you five minutes at a comedy club and people are doing twenty minutes and a half an hour, you have so much of an advantage because you're just like by the time like the audience is really into it, you're away and they want they want to see more as yep. opposed to when you're doing 40, 40 minutes or an hour where they're looking at you like, What time's this wrap up by? Because I've got to get a bus after this. See, that's a thing you probably don't experience performing in the West End and Broadway. It's people who are so in the theatre that they make a night of it. Gigging live in Northern Ireland, you could be having the best gig of your life, but if it gets to around half ten, people genuinely are like, mate, I have to get an Ulster bus because <laughs> the bus service to Ard stops. I've, ha- I've had that happen at shows. I get DMs before shows. Mate, I'm thinking about coming down from Lurgan here. What time will you be wrapping up at? <laughs> like, oh, Sorry. Yeah, my brother and sister have been to a lot of your. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we're we're. Tell your big... sister to bring cake next time. <laughs> All right. We're we're a big big fan family. I well, like the our um, this is embarrassing, but our lockdown anthem was things that are sly. Oh and yeah. It's all it's all that our family did. For honestly months like we would just sing it all the time around the house it's the catchiest song on the planet so what I, what I like about that is like you know that the Benningtons with their with their uh, you know acting background are going to give a proper performance of that uh, but I think whenever live shows become, come back again when theatre comes back again I think we take over the Lampeg theatre space for one night and it's just an MC live set that would be that would be a hell of a lot of fun really, um, that would be amazing please actually do this yeah I mean I, I would I would I would walk to Wicklow at the minute for a gig. Not a problem. Yeah, like, I, no, I totally feel you. Yeah. Need to perform. Moving into um, screen acting and and doing things like TV. 
what's the enjoyment level of that compared to stage? I like it more because I like that it's more it's like you feel more challenged all the time. Like the thing about being in a theater show is after you've been open for like a month, it's kind of like, right, we know what it is. We just do it again and again. And the challenge is stamina. It's not really being artistic or yeah. it's really, you know, like my keeper, you know what I mean? It's like whenever you're doing screen stuff, the very fact that you're doing it at all means you're working. It's yeah. always new. So it's like, it's challenging and I like it. What, what what kind of what kind of thing do you want to do like do you want to do drama you want to do comedy or a mix of everything like what what kind of what is your goal as a as an actress i guess to work just to work would be great um, yeah yeah, yeah. Keep, keep working is always the first well, dream. let me ask you a better question it, it, like i think everyone who who acts and people who write as well they they have this one project that they would love to do, whether it's an existing thing, and they're like, I would love to be in that, or you have a particular thing in mind, I'd love to tell this story or whatever. If mm. you could if you could be in it, if Netflix approached you and say, Listen, blank check here, what project are you gonna make? It's all you. That's kind of not a very serious actor thing to say, but not that I am a really serious actor. I don't know why I said that. Um but I want to be a superhero or an action hero, like thousand percent. My favorite show growing up was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was one of those shows as a as a I was about to say as a man, but whenever that came out, I was absolutely not a man, and even <laughs> now, still on the still on the borderline. But um, but whenever Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out, it was one of those shows that you never let on that you liked. As a as a guy, you'd be like, no, no, it's for girls. But secretly, you would sprint home to to find out what was happening between her and that complete dreamboat, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Because he his eyes distracted me a lot. Freddie Prince Jr. is her, re- isn't that her real life husband? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, uh, David Baranis. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember, and then he I'm has been like a real like actual fan. Now I'm like cringing, like, but it's amazing. He had a spinoff, didn't he? From yeah, Angel. Oh, I'd like to. I'd like to be like, you know, we did the Marvel marathon in lockdown. Also, like, you know, I'd like to be some kind of superhero, action hero. I just, I like fighting and like training, physical stuff. You got to go away from the Marvel stuff. I think. I think, you know, people know it now. It, it, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. If they were like, do you want to work on any production, even in the catering department, I'd be like, yes, one hundred percent. But, <laughs> but. I think stuff like, I think what would be so cool would be like, you know, films like um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world or Kick-Ass or something that's just a little bit different. Like I think- Like Deadpool, like kind of like more fun version. Deadpool, yeah. I think it's got to be, it's got to be something slightly quirky. It's got to be something slightly different. Um, And I think like like a Northern Ireland superhero. Be great. It w- well, what would their superpower be though? Well, what well, the main thing they would have to fight against is just like people's people's attitude of like, you know, if you if you if you're an American superhero and you save a bus of children from a bridge, everyone's like clapping, praising you, uh, you know, hero worshiping you almost. But you know, in Belfast, if you save a bus of children, people would give off about the traffic disruption off the back of that to the point where like people be phoning Nolan being like who the fuck does this guy think he is you know 
people wouldn't like the attitude that you were a superhero. You know, they'd be like, oh, you think you're class just because, you know, you just saved 400, 400 children. So like you saved one of those buses that apparently everyone hates. I've been away. Glider. Yeah, I watched like videos of like when that was coming out and everyone like hated those buses. And I was like, well, I've been away too long. It's another Irish to hate a bus. <laughs> it's another Irish to have a grudge against the motor transport. Be like, because we need something. You know what I mean? We need something to like properly like, oh. But Glide, I mean, Glider has done a lot for sectarianism because I think both sides came together and were like, fuck the Glider. Like that, that was kind of what was beautiful about it. Like I think a lot of those guys were going out vandalizing in a cross community effort. You know, so if anything, I think that's maybe a positive. I think we should we should enjoy. It. Did you miss sectarian whenever you sectarianism whenever you travel? <laughs> oh, massively, yeah. What is interesting though is like you know people's assumptions of what it's like still in Belfast, and I was like, yeah. a lot of the time was like, well, I don't actually currently live there, so I can't tell you that much. Um, but it, it is very interesting. Like it really varies from like Americans who literally think you still live in a war zone. Yeah like like they're like so you must be really terrified to go to school every day and i'd be like mm, i don't know if you like maybe you should see where method is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah terrified i got it wrong fashion wise that was the only thing in method you would have been face or something in the morning i don't know but... <laughs> raging you couldn't get your you couldn't get your fate into into a space <laughs> everyone that goes to method drives a white fate a uh, weird observation but also very true i know it is it's actually we, I don't think we were as uh, blessed in our day. In my day, there weren't as many uh, small fates, but yeah, now it's so many. Yeah. So yeah, did, didn't miss it like hugely, um, but also very lucky to have not really have experienced it myself in the first place. Uh, so you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I like nostalgia and I personally, I think after all this is over, I think with, with you know, Brexit, I think it's coming back. And I think it will, there, will be, I, there will be something nice about the fact that, you know, it's been away for so long. It'll be like the West End. It'll be like Broadway. It's been away for a long time. People enjoy going to it. Let's bring it back. Um, well, well, something you can count on. There's not much that's consistent these days. No, but people, people, yeah, that would be the thing of a Northern Irish superhero. You, you, you would have to please. You would never please both sides. <laughs> never. Never. You know, if you, if you get some knife wielding, uh, you know, bank robber or whatever, and, and you take him to justice, and people find out he's Catholic, then <laughs> then one side of the community is going to be like, oh, uh -huh, I see what's going on here, and you're like, no, I was just trying to stop this guy from robbing banks, but uh, but yeah, it's definitely definitely enjoyable. I mean, I think if Netflix gave me an unlimited amount of money to make something, I I always pitch travel stuff mainly because I just want sure. to travel and get paid for it. Like that's the goal. So I'm like, how about me doing stand up in another place? Time and they're like, yeah, they're like, what's the what's what's the hook for the show? I'm like, there isn't. It's just me on a holiday, but doing but doing some gigs. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it would, it would be weird going away from Belfast and then coming back. I mean, I always had that thing of when I first started doing stand up and maybe doing a little bit of TV here and there. People would always say, when are you, when are you moving? You know, people would be like, when are you moving to? to London or Manchester or, you know, just moving away. But, but I love it. Yeah, I love it. Like, great. honestly, I now would live here. If and the weird thing is there's so much TV here, but you don't really get the jobs here. You get the jobs in London and then you come back to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like game of Thrones. Like I still have, a, like I could definitely see myself playing like, cause they, they were looking for like big bearded sort of strong men on game of Thrones. And I was like, you found them, you know, but they, I think they would maybe get too much press attention. If, if I was involved in a shoot that was happening here, 
<laughs> to be fair, like it would become quite a thing. Yeah, I think definitely. Like, I mean, you talk about understudies, Joffrey and Game of Thrones could definitely have played that role, even though we're then probably twice his age. I could still play a little child prince, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a really horrible child prince. I could definitely play that role. But yeah, I mean, they're making loads of Game of Thrones prequels. So. I mean, I think if you hang about, which my policy is just hang about the outside the Titanic studios long enough, you'll get in. Just hope for the best. Yeah, just get in and hope, and hope for the best. Could Not you... else on, to be honest. No. <laughs> do you want to, like... Yeah, do you see yourself, like, settling here? Or are you with, with acting? Are you kind of like, let me just see where it takes me? Well, I, interestingly, was planning on moving to America. But right now, I'm like, who really right now he wants to be on America it's sort of on fire um it's a tough one because like it, it's like I love spending time in America it's just LA New York and even a couple of places like San Diego San Francisco we were last year it, it's so brilliant and like the people get such a bad rep you know it's kind of it is the same here in a way of like you know people ask you about the troubles and stuff and people think everyone here is very violent or sectarian or, or something and you're like no we have the best people in america people are brilliant like the american people by and large are so welcoming too far too enthusiastic but i mean they could do with knock that down a bit but like yeah i mean so many people have left la as well you know so many people i think who relocated to america are now just coming back because they just can't hack the the politics and everything else that's good so if you went to america where would you go where would you move to i wanted to be in new york i've got a manager there and i sort of wanted to do broadway and tv there's just a lot of work there and once you're once you've done something there it's exciting and um my other half is american also and is currently there so pandemic has been great crack right yeah i mean you know borders closed and all that so that's... Where, where is it where does is he based in new york uh, he's with family at the minute outside New York, like between New York and Philadelphia. So luckily, kind of like away from everything. But oh, well. has he has he has he been over here? Has he visited here? Yeah, he's been here quite a few times, and it's what so great. It's so great when he's here. He's he's very enthusiastic. I think, um, <laughs> oh, and he's like he just is like this. Is, he loves saying <laughs> he's probably gonna listen to this enough, but. He loves saying Northern Irish things in American accent. It's so good. Like, That's all I want to hear. That's all I want to hear. To fit in with my family. He's always like, That's class. <laughs> and they think it's so great. Can can you please get him saying up the hoods? I don't even know if you know that phrase because maybe you haven't been here, but up the hoods is me. Are you familiar with this phrase? I can say I am. What tell me more? Up the hoods basically <laughs> means like it's a good time it, no one knows i don't know what it means now i've said it but up the hoods is kind of like in what way would you use it um if if you were supposed to work until three o'clock and your boss yeah. is like you can leave at half two you everybody you would say up the hoods i think it means you know hoods by definition are considered uh people who walk around in hoodies maybe there's a little bit of anti-social behavior disorder there whatever but when you say up the hood, you mean like, it just means like, yes, basically. Right. Up yeah, absolutely get him to say that. It, it's my, fa my family, like half of them are from Derry as well. My mom's side of the family are like super Derry and it's amazing because she has like six siblings and they all talk at him at the same time. 
Well, and even even I even I wouldn't understand that. You know what I mean? Like there is when people are very dairy, they they like I love the dairy accent, but I do not understand it. It's so good. My my favorite is when they if my uncle ever hears this. So like my family always talk about you know like buildings. They say Baldwin. Baldwin, eh? Baldwin. Um, well, I, I I apparently say Belfast. 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 Why? Where's that from? Don't know. There's some words. There's some words I would. I, I like say. that really like disdainful of me. I have like the worst accent in the world. Well, <laughs> like, I was gonna say. Do you? Do you? Did you notice when you first went? Was it when you first went to London? Did you notice like your accent was changing, um, or was it when you went to America? Was there a point where you were like, oh no? I have said this in a different way now. Yes, I say now all the time. Oh no. I say, I know, it's so bad. But it's because when I moved to Guildford, I used to work on Saturday mornings teaching really, really small children who all had names like Pansy, Flora, Light. Yeah, Flora Light. I don't know. Pansy and, <laughs> Pansy and Flora Light sound like, sounds like a 70s cop show. <laughs> That's right. It. Um, but like, you know, all these like Surrey kids, and I'd be like, no, everyone, we're going to nail go, no, no, no. And I'd be like, okay. Mm. So you I should have hit every single one of them, by the way. <laughs> I just couldn't. And do set it. up a hood. <laughs> oh, so I just changed. And then every time I come home, my family would be like, what are you at? You sound very English. And then I gradually started to sound also then more American because I was playing an American for many years. Boyfriend's American. I'd always be doing interviews everywhere. And it's not an excuse, I know, because a lot of my friends who are much more famous and successful than me sound a lot more Northern Irish than I do. Um, I think you've got, you got a double down. You've got I a double down. The idea. I was like, should I just come on and like pretend I'm a lot more Northern Irish? But I thought uh, my family will put me up on that. So yeah i mean it's something that i'm like I, I'm, I'm always like i don't understand how you would lose your accent i mean i can't understand it and then i think i was in america for five days um <laughs> just before lockdown and there was some word i said in like a restaurant in america and i was like i need to get home immediately yeah i'm aware home. that it's terrible and i'm just sort of like fine and i very often like sort of have like an existential crisis mid-sentence because I teach I'm a, like a Pilates teacher as well that's my other job because all actors have other jobs and I teach Pilates and I always am like so how you want to feel when you do this now is and I'm like and I sort of have to stop talking be like hi all the time no one understands my name when I'm in America no one understands my name because anybody else that speaks right would say Shane yeah Shane, I say Shane, which just sounds like a noise. Shane, I'm trying to think what they would think your name. No, was. they don't. They don't think it's anything like what I'm saying. They don't think it's Sean. They don't think it's Shine. They think it's some. They don't think it's English. Like they think it's something. <laughs> yeah. When I'm like Shane Todd, people are like, "What did a car, like, a car drive past? Did speed? What, what Shane? You know, it's no one understands it. No one understands my name. But I refuse to say. Shane Todd I just I'm like Shane Todd deal with it and then yeah. when I get brought on at comedy clubs I get everything but Shane Todd yeah I hear it it's not too bad like it's quite like you don't Christina's like fairly recognizable but yeah I, I'm I'm toying with just changing my accent back it's just you know, it's I think I think every once in a while just give it an ah uh, just every once in a while instead <laughs> of a yes you know I don't even remember though like like even when I talk to my mom 
I sort of gradually get more, but that's a mum voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not an accent, <laughs> it's just her voice. You need to put a fleece on to talk properly. Like that. <laughs> just sort of start. I, I think, I don't know if it's a thing here specific. My mum talks really low. You know, that is, that is. That <laughs> is. <laughs> like, why? I don't know. I think it's just back. I think it was like back when, you know, our parents were younger. I think it's like, it was probably a thing of there was so much bad stuff going on here that like you had to, you had to whisper because something terrible is probably going to happen. So people did get used to, get used to whisper. Yeah. It must be. But yeah, I think, and oh, like just, just really as long as like, you know, if you're in Broadway or whatever and a director's like, you know, do you think you're right for this role? Just, ah. You know, you'll lose the role, but you will retain <laughs> retain what makes you yeah retain respect. Yeah, this been this been very enjoyable. Um, I really enjoyed chatting to you because when people say you know West End actors, Broadway actors, I, I'm always fascinated as to like what that would be like, you know, and, and the realities of that because it sounds like oh that'll be that'll be it. not a gift, but you're like that must be like brilliant. That must be loads of fun. But like the R's and R's is another thing. Hours. But, well, it's R's. Uh, but that's what I say. Hours. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, I just think with R's, you're getting to the point quicker. Yeah. <laughs> hours is more is more is more boils, and we just don't have time for that here. Um. But yeah, I'm. I, yeah, I'd say it's totally different, and it's something I'm. I'm so respectful of is you know seeing real craft. Like, uh, like whenever I saw Jersey Boys, and this is just a shout out to if any of your friends who work in Broadway are watching this and they're casting agents, if they're whatever, I want to play Frankie Valley in Jersey Boys, but I want to be able to, in between songs or at the interval, go to the Hamilton set and play the King on Hamilton. That's all I want to do. And then any role in the Ferryman. All at once. I'm not arsed any role. I'm sure there'll be loads of producers listening to this as well, so... Yeah, yeah, I'd say that will. And listen, <laughs> if you want to make Pansy and Floralite also, we could get right in that because I don't have anything to do, you don't have anything to do, so we could get right in yeah. Pansy and Floralite. And a listener probably will do some sort of Photoshop made-up poster of Pansy and Floralite, which, which I would enjoy. I would really enjoy. All right, well, look, Christine, thanks so much for doing the podcast. I think I speak for all the listeners who say give T another chance. Okay, I know it's cool to you know, spend time in New York and London on coffee. So cool, but at the same time, there's something about there's something home about a cup of tea. There's nothing wrong with a cup of tea. I'll let you know how I get on. I'll try it again. Get a flask. Start walking about Broadway with a cup of tea in a flask, because that that you will never lose your act. If you no one drinking tea is is ever going to lose their act. Tea tea is what keeps your accent what it is. So. Yeah. I'll, well maybe yeah okay I'll try it I promise alright up the hoods up the hoods